Well, which way would you like to wake up? Did you like the soft, mellow music of the birds singing and the little little quiet playing of the soft, mellow music? Or did you like the noise from the digital alarm clock? Oh, man. Talk about polar opposites way of waking up to start your day. Wow, that, that's totally different. And unfortunately, and I don't know why, I still use my alarm clock, the old a digital alarm clock. I mean, I have my cell phone. I should set it to gentle music to wake me up peacefully. But instead, I still have that digital um, clock radio going, which is ridiculous. But uh, I think I'm going to work on that tomorrow for tomorrow morning. I think I'm going to change and use my cell phone to wake to wake me up. But, you know, sometimes there's uh, uh, there's different ways to start your day. And uh, you can choose to set the alarm one way or the other to a nice peaceful sound or a more abrupt sound. Um, you could choose those things, but sometimes you can't choose other things in life that you wish you, you could. Because um, uh, life comes at you and it brings change when you least expect it. Um, so anyway, hey, welcome to Mornings with Ken. That's right, you're listening to Mornings with Ken, heard Monday through Friday at 5.45 a.m., sometimes a bonus Saturday, and there's always Sunday School with Ken on Sundays at 5.45 a.m. But hey, welcome to Monday. Monday it is, so here we are at it again, and uh, hopefully we're all going to have a great, great day. I don't know how your weekend was, but my my weekend was fantastic, great weekend. Um, had a great church service um, yesterday, great message, great uh, worship music. Saturday, great time with friends. And uh, speaking of adapting or change, um, yeah, you know, especially for us guys who are married um, or for my women listeners out there, if you're married or just not even have to be married, but in a relationship or or out with friends. And uh, you know how you, you have plans made of things you want to do? Like, for example, this weekend... As many of you are probably tired of hearing, we're having a basement, uh, part of a basement uh, renovated to make a bedroom out of it. It was a dingy, it was a dingy room in the basement, but uh, we decided we needed another bedroom, so we're we're changing it to a bedroom. And um, good friend of mine, Bob's doing a great, wonderful job of that. But there's different little things that Bob needs me to do, so he can prepare to. F- finish the last part of the job. So Bob has asked me to do little things to prepare for the next steps. And my plan was this weekend, Saturday, I was going to spend all day Saturday just knocking out the projects that need to get done so Bob can finish um, this week. And so that was my plans. I was going to go down there. I was going to paint I was going to uh, paint some other pieces, parts that need to go down there. And I was going to clean up and sweep. I have a, 
I have a door to paint uh, that's going to need hung. And I really wanted to knock out these projects. Well, um, my wife had other plans. Um, she had asked some friends of ours to go to the Amish country um, with us, which was fine. I love hanging out with my friends. I love it. It's wonderful times. I get a blessing out of hanging out with them. And a uh, great time. We had a fabulous time Saturday, and I hope they did too. Um, but so I wouldn't take that back. It was a great time. I loved it. I wouldn't change it. Great food, great just time of just chit-chatting. And uh, I just love to chit-chat, you know. I don't have to do anything fun. I'm past the days where I got to do something fun and exciting, <laughs> at least for me. But um, so anyway, change of plans. So all of a sudden, Dixie says, hey, we're going to the Amish country with some friends of ours. And I'm like, okay, that sounds terrific. Now, I was kind of torn. Yes, I wanted to go away to the Amish country with some friends. I was kind of looking forward to it. But I had all those chores to do. So I was like, oh, Dixie of all weekends to plan something. I need to get so many projects done around the house. And, uh, well, it didn't happen. We ended up going to the Amish country and spent most of the day there. Had a fabulous time, wonderful time. But I had to quickly adapt to change. And um, the thing of it was, too, Sunday afternoon we had other plans um, that were that were going to take up a lot of our day um, later on and I thought well if, if I can't do it Saturday my my Sunday is going to be really split because I have church and I have another activity later on that afternoon I'm not going to be able to get all these projects done um, but as it turned out um, I called my uh Two of my brothers, um, Sunday afternoon, because the events late Sunday afternoon got canceled. So I called my two brothers over. I said, can you guys please help me out? I got to have all this stuff done by Monday. And uh, they came over. I'd like to thank Paul and Donnie. Thank you guys, Paul and Donnie. Thank you very much. Um, that was really a lifesaver. You guys really bailed me out, and I really appreciate it. But, uh, boy, so, boy, talking about adapting, I had to adapt um, to changing plans. And uh, when you're married, you surely have to be always prepared to adapt to different plans because sometimes you and your spouse are not always on the same page. Uh, but, again, had a great time Saturday, wonderful, wonderful time, great food and fellowship, and then... Uh, a busy day today of getting the projects done and uh, also had a great, great church service this morning. Um, yesterday morning, had a great church service. Um, really great. Turned out wonderful. I mean, just the, the, the message and the singing was just timely. All the songs that were sung and, and um, the message was just on target. 
for what I needed to hear. So that was it. So Sunday was a good day. Sunday was a very good day. And, uh, you know, talking about, about change, change of, change of plans. Um, yesterday, I don't know if anybody tuned into the Sunday morning show, Sundays with Sunday school with Ken, but on kind of a side note, um, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to, um, reshare the whole Sunday morning sermon or a Sunday school class. Um, but we, we talked about Moses and how God told him to go tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go, free him up. And, uh, Moses goes there, long story short, Moses goes there, tells Pharaoh, Hey, God said, sent me here. Tell you, let the kid, let the children of Israel go. And uh, Pharaoh says, no, not only am I not going to let them go, I'm going to punish them because you asked, basically. I'm paraphrasing here, folks. And so he punished them by saying, hey, you guys were out there making bricks, and we used to bring the straw to you so you could make the bricks easier. Now I'm going to have you guys go get your own straw out in the field, bring it in, make the bricks, and you still got to produce the same amount of uh, bricks as you did before. And uh, so I was just, just on this part, I'm thinking, wow, talk about having to adapt to change. Wow, I wonder what some of the leaders of, of the group did. I wonder if they just formed like uh, uh, groups of men that say, hey, all right, I need you 10. You 10, you guys go to the west side of the, uh, you know, the, the fields and gather gather the, the, the wheat or, or whatever they needed. And uh, you, you 10 men, you go to the east side, you get, you know, divided them up and still try to get, you know, get the, the things that they needed, the, the wheat or whatever, and brought in and brought back to the brick makers so they could make the bricks. That had to be a tremendous uh, task to try to complete. So they had to adapt to... Uh, adapt to change so but change change is not easy and and we can't always control um what's changing in our lives whether we made the change um but or whether we were affected by change or someone else made the change for us um change change is always always difficult always difficult and uh you can be a little bit scared of change or you can hang in there and uh have faith that things are going to work out let's take a small break and we'll be right back here come the coffee beans that make uban the world's richest coffee uban created by general foods world's largest importer and roaster of coffee uban richest because it is blended with rare aged coffee beans fresh roasted at peak flavor deep dark Delicious Uban. Other coffee beans are roasted green in color, young in flavor. But Uban adds to its blend beans that are aged to peak flavor, like vintage wine, the choicest cheese, the finest steak. Uban, coffee such as you have never experienced before. Uban, world's richest coffee, blended with rare aged coffee beans. Well worth the few extra pennies you'll pay. Try Uban soon. Deep, dark, delicious Uban. 
I am obsessed with old, <laughs> old TV commercials about coffee. Well, for one, um, I love coffee. And I wanted, remember, I wanted to call this show Coffee with Ken, but, you know, apparently some guy already had that idea. So I love, I've loved me some coffee. And uh, yeah, I was going to call this show Coffee with Ken, but I had to change it to Mornings with Ken. But I am fascinated by old, like 1950s coffee commercials. Um, I just get a kick out of my um, hearing them. And it reminds me of how good coffee tastes in the morning. So if you haven't got your coffee yet, go get your coffee. And I guess go out and try some to find that U-Ban U-Ban coffee that they just advertised. I don't know if that stuff's still around. But um, <laughs> all right. Hey, let's get back. So I, I saw this article online. And this article is coming from the Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review. And let's see if I have a publication date. Oh, this is actually published in 2016. 2016 Harvard Business Review entitled How to Get Better at Dealing with Change. And uh, hey, let's just jump right into it, see, see what they have to say. Um, for, first one here, the first point that the article makes is, and I'm just going to kind of skim through it because I don't want to take up too much time. But the first point um, the writer makes is, Find the humor in the situation. Find the humor in the situation. Trying to find a funny moment during an otherwise unfunny situation can be fantastic, can be a fantastic way to create the levity needed to see a vexing problem from a new perspective. It can help others feel better as well. Pioneering Human research re researcher Rod Martin, who has studied the effects of different styles of humor, has found that witty banter or affirmative humor can lighten the mood and improve social interaction. Just make sure it's inclusive and respectful. A good rule of thumb is that other people's strife is no laughing matter, but your own struggles can be a source of comedic gold. There you go. So uh, make light make light of your uh <laughs> the changes that come into your life. Um I've I've I think I'm pretty good at that because if you know the Lotney family, um change has been change has been a part of the Lotney family. I think it's like a Irish curse over our heads. Um um, from way back in the old country of Ireland, someone put a curse. No, no, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so change has always been. And I've tried to laugh because I, I just try, you know, sometimes um, when things go really bad for the Lotney family, uh, sometimes it's like, well, hey, <laughs> it's pretty bad, but it can get worse. And often it does, or it did. So um, you got to find humor in the in the funniest things. Um, so, hey, let's move on to the ne their next point. Talk about problems more than feelings. Hmm, let me read that again. Talk about problems more than feelings. 
One of the most common myths of coping with unwanted change is the idea that we can work through our anger, fears, and frustrations by talking about them a lot. This isn't always the case. In fact, research shows that actively and repeatedly broadcasting negative emotions hinders our natural adaptation processes. It's not to say you shouldn't suck it up or ignore your troubles. Instead, call out your anxiety or your anger at the outset of a disorientating, disorientating, boy, I cannot talk, but at the beginning of of the uh, change, call it out. Then look for practical advice about what to do next. By doing so, you zero in on the problems you can solve instead of lamenting on the ones you can't. Ooh, I like that. So look for practical advice about what to do next. By doing so, you zero in on the problems you can solve instead of lamenting on the ones you can't. I really like that. So kind of like kind of like your like your your mom and dad used to tell you, you know, don't just waddle in your despair like a pig waddling in the mud. Don't just, you know, lay there and and lament and cry to yourself. Um, zero one was kind of focus on the things that you can change and uh, move on. Change doesn't always have to be bad, but often we look at it as a negative. Hey, their next point. Don't stress out about stressing out. Hmm. Read that again. Don't stress out about stressing out. Our beliefs about stress matter. A Stanford psychologist, Kelly McGonigal, argues in the upside of stress, your reaction to stress has a greater impact on your health and success than the stress itself. Let me read that again. Your reaction to stress has a greater impact on your health and success than the stress itself. Hmm, very interesting. If you believe stress kills you, it will. If you believe stress is trying to carry you over a big obstacle or through a challenging situation, you'll become more resilient and may even live longer. When you start to feel stressed, ask yourself what your stress is trying to help you accomplish. Is stress trying to help you excel at an important task, like a sales presentation or a big interview? Is it trying to help you endure a period of tough market conditions or a temporary shift in your organizational structure? Is it trying to help you empathize with a colleague or customer? Or is stress trying to help you successfully exit a toxic situation? Stress can be a good thing if you choose to see it that way. Let me read that again. Stress can be a good thing if you choose to see it that way. And I, I get what they're saying because I've, I've lived through some stressful uh, times very recently. And uh, I get it. Sometimes you can use that stress as a stepping stone 
to accomplish a goal rather than let the stress be a wall that you can't climb. So are you going to let that stress be a catalyst to make you get to a better situation in your life? Or are you going to allow it to be a big wall that you can't hurdle over? Sometimes it's our own, or it's our own choice. Are we going to let the stress depress us and keep us down? Or are we going to let the stress motivate us to uh, bigger and better things? Or something more enjoyable. All right, going on to the next one. Focus on your values instead of your fears. Focus on your values instead of your fears. Ooh, I think I might like this. Reminding ourselves of what's important to us. Family, friends, religious convictions, scientific achievement, great music, creative expression, and so on can create a surprisingly powerful buffer against whatever troubles may be ailing us. In a series of studies spanning more than a decade, researchers led by Jeffrey Cohen and David Sherman have shown how people of all ages in a range of circumstances from new schools and new relationships to new jobs can strengthen their minds with a simple exercise, spending 10 minutes writing about a time when a particular value you hold as positively has a positively affected you. 10 minutes writing about a time when a particular value you hold has positively affected you. The, te- the technique works because reflecting on a personal value helps us rise above the immediate threat and makes us realize that our personal identity can be compromised by one challenging situation. So um, I kind of like that. I kind of liked, I thought I would like it, and I I did. I kind of, yeah, so again, it's kind of like you focusing on how you're going to view things and uh, what's what's important to you. I like how it says, reminding ourselves of what's important to us Family, friends, religious convictions, scientific achievement, great music. Again, not to repeat myself in, from past episodes, but man, I tell you what, last year and, and so far this year, I have really learned the value of family and friends. And for me, uh, my faith in Christianity and Christ, I would say... God, Christ, uh, since I'm a believer in Christ, has been my strongest standard, my strongest rock to stand on, and then family and friends. Those three things has helped me tremendously, and I've learned that truly nothing else matters. It's not the house I have or don't have. It's not the car that I have or don't have or the truck that I really want, the Chevy Silverado. Um, Yeah, at this point, I'll even take a Dodge Ram. But um, anyway, it's not those things that I have or don't have. It's not those things. 
It's people. It's my faith and family and friends and community. Family, friends, community. Family, friends, and community. When all is said and done, those are the only things that matter. My faith in God and people. People, people, people matter to God and and, and to, uh, it should matter to us. So, man, getting the idea in your mind, like, I understand people, some people are highly motivated, highly motivated that they may have built three businesses from scratch or helped build those businesses and they're not done yet. They're going to build another one and they're going to start. They're just going to keep growing their career or they're going to seek out and get hired at new places and new adventures and just, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything negative about that at all because some people are highly motivated and that's what they do. But, you know, as long as that's not what gets you going, that's not, as long as that's not where you place your happiness in. Because our happiness should be in Father God, and then our you know the, our faith, our family, and friends and community. Those are those are things that last. Those are things that last forever. Well, anyway, so I I can't focus on the desire for new and better things or a new house or a new car or those things are, 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 there's an old biblical word that the Bible uses. Those things are dung. I mean, it dung, it, it, those things are dung to me. They're dung. They're, they're, they're trash. They're, and it's not, not to poo poo those things. That's not to talk negative about people who have things or, but they're not important to me. They're not important to me. Um, it, I've really learned the most important things in life. It's like that old saying, money can't buy. It's so true. Money can't buy those things. So, uh, hey, let me jump down from my soapbox and take a short break and I'll, I'll come right back.
Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, if you're just joining us, we're talking about uh, change and what change, uh, how to respond to change. And I'm reading from an article from the Harvard Business Review um, entitled How to Get Better at Dealing with Change. And this article is from 2016. And uh, I found some, uh, some uh, really neat, neat uh, things in here. So, hey, returning to the article here, the next point the author makes is accept the past, but fight for the future. Accept the past, but fight for the future. All right, let's dive into this uh, comment here. Even though we are never free from change, we are always free to decide how we respond to it. Hmm, I kind of like that. Boy, I'm liking this author who wrote these. He's got made some good points. Sometimes when you read articles... Um, the, uh, writer goes off on a weird, kind of a weird tangent thing, but I'm kind of, this guy's kind of making sense. So let me read that again. Accept the past, but fight for the future. Even though we are never free from change, we are always free to decide how we respond to it. Oh yes, that's so important. Victor Frankel, Victor Frankel championed this idea after returning home from three horrific years in Nazi death camps. He discovered that his mother, brother, wife, and unborn child were all dead. Everything in his life had changed. All that he loved was lost. But as fall became winter and winter gave way to spring, Frankel began to discover that even though he could never go back to the life he once had, he was still free to meet new friends, find new love, become a father again, work with new patients, enjoy music, read books. Frankel could call his hope in the face of despair, tragic optimism. Frankel's story is an extreme example, of course, But that's all the more reason why we should find inspiration from it. If we fixate fixate on the limitations of a specific, if we if we fixate on limitations of a specific, boy, I this is a fun show with Ked. Uh, With a a certain change, we are inevitable and inevitably succumb to worry, bitterness, and despair. Wow, my mouth is just fumbling over itself. But I kind of like what he says here. I mean, that what wow, what a I've I'm sure there's like many thousands of stories like uh Victor Frankl um after the Nazi death camps and being a survivor and losing all your family. Oh my, how how tragic, how evil, how tragic. Well, oh, wow. I this guy Wow, to focus on the future and meeting new people, enjoying new music and meeting new patients. So he must have been a doctor, I guess. Finding new love. It's like having more. Wow, I don't know how. I mean, this guy, he lived through it, man. Talk about change. There you go. He decided to refocus his change. What a. I couldn't imagine living with, uh, living through what those people lived through. And sometimes it's kind of weird when we think today when, when you know, maybe our, 
our biggest tragic part of the day was that um, we went to Starbucks and got our cup of coffee and uh, um, we bumped it and it fell into our lap and spilled all over the floor and we couldn't have our our morning coffee. You know, sometimes that's the biggest uh, American tragedy on a daily basis. But I know we, 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 we still focus with very serious things you know, in our lives, even as Americans. And some things, a lot of, you know, bad things happen, um, especially this time in 2020 with the, uh, yeah, that crazy thing that's causing havoc in, around the world. Um, boy, uh, if it was, if Corona was a person, I'd punch it in the nose. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. That was a powerful story. Next, don't expect stability. In the late 1970s, a researcher at the University of Chicago named Salvador Mandy began studying employees at a Illinois Bell. Soon after, the phone industry was deregulated and the company had to undergo a lot of changes. Some managers had to trouble coping. Others thrived. What separated the two people? The, the adaptive leaders chose to view all changes, whether wanted or unwanted, as an expected part of the human experience, rather than a tragic anomaly that victimizes unlucky people. Instead, feeling personally attacked by ignorant, ignorant leaders, evil lawmakers, or an unfair universe, they remained engaged in their work and spotted opportunities to fix long-standing problems with customer service and to, t- to tweak um, bad pricing structures. In contrast, Maddie found that the struggling leaders were consumed by thoughts of the good old days. They spent their energy trying to figure out ways out why their luck had suddenly turned sour. They tried to bounce back to a time and place that no longer existed. And I think we all can relate to that, especially in 2020. Wow, what a time we lived through. What a time we are living through. Um, I don't know that we'll ever go back to the good old days. Um, uh, Just uh, yesterday, yesterday, uh, I think uh, my mom and I were watching, I think it was 60 Minutes. I think it might have been 60 Minutes last last night. My mom and I were watching it and... uh, they were talking about the possible cure for, I'm just, I guess I got to go ahead and say, you know, Corona, because I want to punch it in its nose, but a possible cure that may or may not exist. And they asked uh, one, I think, researcher or scientist if she could have a cure or just keep wearing masks, which ones would she choose? So, so the reporter on 60 Minutes asked, if you could have the cure for the virus or a mask, which one would you prefer? And she said mask. I, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was floored. She said mask. And somehow I think maybe somebody else walked in the room or, or a phone rang and somehow we got distracted and I didn't get to see the rest of the interview of why she said that. But, um, I mean, wow. So she, she would rather, uh, 
have the mask. So it doesn't seem, so I guess my point is, it doesn't seem like we're ever going back to normal. Just like in the little paragraph I read about the Bell Company and how some people reacted positively with change and some people wanted the good old days. Let's go back to the way it used to be. I don't know, folks, that if we're ever going to go back to the way it used to be before the coronavirus. And um, again, nothing with politics. I don't think any politician can solve any of this, but um, it just shows you change is here and change usually stays for a while until a new change comes. So we keep changing and jumping from change to change. And that can be true of just world events, world tragedies, world sicknesses, world economies, and world jobs changes. Sometimes sometimes we make the job changes, and sometimes the job change was made to us. So, um, wow, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I don't know that we're ever going to go back to normal again. Um, so, but it's it's how we're going to approach it. It's how... If I keep saying to myself, man, I hate wearing masks, I hate wearing masks, I hate wearing masks, I don't like it, I want to go back to the way it was, yeah, it's probably, <laughs> I'm just going to feel defeat and, def- you know, defeat myself. Um, and I still pray, I still pray in that um, we get rid of the mask and go back to normal, but I don't know that that's ever going to happen. But I sure would like to go back to what sort of was normal. But look what happened after 9-11. You know, for those that were old enough to, it's weird to see that like 9-11 was so long ago. But I remember 9-11, it changed America. America overnight was a new America. The old America had died. And the new America came the next day after 9-11. And I thought, wow, I wonder if we, I was still optimistic. I thought, oh, we could change to go back to the old America. But I didn't believe that very long, uh, maybe a couple of days. And I thought, no, America is never going to be the same again. And uh, now we have something new, another change. Another change, not only with the coronavirus, but just with uh, a lot of the social, economic events that's happening in our world and I'm not going to mention because I never want this show to be political and uh but I you know like the article we just have to adapt to change in the sense of not not giving away to our our standards of of beliefs our value system but knowing that change is coming change happens and let's have a positive way of of dealing with that change. So, um, hey, let's take another short, short break and I'll come back out and probably close out the show for today. But hey, thanks for listening to Mornings with Ken. And remember, um, hey, if, if you get any benefit from this show or you think you have a friend or someone who might benefit or enjoy uh, me rambling on in the mornings, yeah, please just uh, shoot them a text and say, shoot them a link. Um, either on the Anchor app or Spotify. Um, Pretty much Spotify is an easy way to get there. Um, You can hear the show. Most people have Spotify downloaded on their phones, but if you get any uh, enjoyment or benefit 
and you care to text a friend, please do so. Just to, I mean, I'm not looking for, you know, many, lots of listeners, but I just thought if there's some way that this show benefits someone, yeah, just let someone know. So, hey, we'll be right back and uh, I'll have a little bit more to say. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for hanging in with me through the breaks. Uh, sometimes I need the breaks just to uh, um, clear my throat. And um, <clears throat> yes, because my throat gives me fits when I am recording. So well, once again, thanks for joining uh, Mornings with Ken. And uh, hey, just so some people ask what the music is that I play, um, the, op- the opening uh, theme that I usually play start the show is uh do it for love by the 77s and so that is my official intro music is do it for love by the 77s but today you also heard the loop which sounded like a loop playing (laughs) over and over again and the uh, last song you're gonna hear is uh boy what is the last song you're gonna hear you don't scare me um, I think I'm going to sign off with that one. But hey, I was you know talking about change. As uh, if you've listened to the show since the beginning, um, you know I had a lot of changes from 2019 even till today. And uh, I wanted to when, when I was going through all that change, one thing that helped me deal with sudden change in my life was capturing my thoughts in a journal. Well, then that journal became a book of poetry, um, which um, was published. And you can, if you're ever, ever interested in what's inside my head and want, and want a copy of the book, um, you can find it. The best way to find it is on Lulu, lulu.com. That's lulu.com. But it's also available, available at Barnes & Noble. And it's also available on Amazon. And there might be a couple other places, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. But definitely Lulu.com, Barnes and Noble, and Amazon. And since we were talking about change, I was reminded I wrote a little 
a little something about that in my book. And uh, so I'm just going to read it. It's called Change. The poem is called Change. And it's, it's real short. And uh, I don't know if it means anything to you, but it, it meant something to me at the time. So change. To walk in a changing world. To walk in eyes wide open. To walk in fresh new soil. To walk in leaves of colors full. To walk in new buds, buds blossoming. New buds blossoming. To walk in shifting sands. To walk in fear. To walk in realization. To walk in prayer. And um, really what, what that poem speaks to me is change is coming. And we walk in that change. We're going to be walking through shifting sands of change. Sometimes we're going to be fearful. Sometimes we're just going to be woken up to realization. But always to walk in prayer. Walk in prayer is the most important thing. So I just wanted to share you that little uh, poem from my from my book. And uh, I just hope you're encouraged this morning, this Monday morning, as you start your new work week and what new adventures may be ahead of you. Maybe you, some of you have change going on in your life with different things, maybe jobs or personal things, family. But um, whatever it is, walk in prayer, walk in prayer. So, hey, everybody, let's do this again tomorrow. Let's get our, our coffee going tomorrow morning. Bring it with you, and we'll sit down and have another chat. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mornings with Ken. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.